0: Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get To The Point. Welcome, everyone, To The Point. I'm Rachel Lyon, here as always with host Eric Trexler, And today we're picking back up our conversation with Mariam Baksh, cybersecurity policy reporter for NextGov. And we're going to dig into how government and private industry can get ahead of this thing we call cyber. Now let's get to the point.
1: The other thing is that I will say is like there's this there's so much to this. Like, for example, I went to a conference once where these lawyers were talking about incident response and. They basically reveal to me. Other other people probably have known this for a long time. That there's basically two sets of books. These, Mm -hmm. when you have an incident response team, these lawyers were discussing. There is one set of records that you have for the regulators for when for when you want to report to them, and there's another set of records which are protected under. Um, you know, uh, attorney confidentiality uh, mm. provisions because a lawyer is called into the incident response uh, process. So it's like, how do you know?
2: It, it, like, like a cyber infosec info response.
1: Yeah. So you, okay, have, a, okay. you have an incident. I mean, yeah. th- there's a whole Some of kind
2: it. of breach or something.
1: You have some kind of breach or something. Somebody the, steals
2: data, whatever it means. Yeah. You got it.
1: The first thing the incident responders will do is call in the lawyers. Because once that happens, you're protected under that attorney privilege, uh, attorney, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, attorney privilege. So it's like, then you kind of get to select which pieces of information you want to share with law uh, law enforcement. And it's like, again...
2: How how do me, we make me, I'm like all oh, tight inside. I, I don't like here. <laughs> like, like, it's
1: it's not horrible. <laughs> yeah. That's is,
2: happening. That's which is horrible. why the,
1: yeah. the solution has to be live in auditors. And you know what? Here, I'll, I'll make a, uh, I'll I'll push my point on this. I think live in auditors for any company above a certain size um, will also reduce paperwork because then you don't have to report. All this information that's unreliable anyway, you have a live yeah. auditor who's constantly tracking it. That's, you know what? I should become a policymaker.
2: <laughs> Maybe. I'm I, I, I just glad FireEye and Sunburst actually disclosed, because imagine where we yeah. would be if they hadn't done that. And That, yeah. that is just crazy Absolutely. to me. Okay, so let's, let's switch topics a little bit. Yeah. Here. Okay. The Biden administration. Mm-hmm. You're going to love this one, Rachel. Uh-huh. If you could tell them any one thing on InfoSec or cyber, what would it be based, oh, wow. based on your perspective, what you've observed over time? Wow. Just one thing. You're going to have to stay on select here.
1: Is this a question for me or for Rachel?
2: Oh, no, for you. I asked okay. Rachel. Okay. On, okay. On That's for you. Because you guys for were talking you, about yeah.
1: this before. Okay. <laughs> What's the one thing I would say to the Biden information, Biden administration? One piece of advice
2: based on your observations, you know, what guidance might you give them? Oh, boy. Uh. See, the audience can see this isn't scripted here. We, we, we <laughs> actually just have real discussions.
1: One piece of advice. Um, I would say approach. Approach requests from industry with scrutiny. And stay strong Give an example and stay strong. So, like, for example, um, what I was talking about before with ITI and the letter. Um, About the standards um, and the executive order. Um, I think for the longest time, going back to the Obama administration, there has been this huge effort to make, to keep everything voluntary and Mm. to, um, you know, sort of make all these concessions to industry. And honestly, in my opinion, again, my opinion, and I, I know there's people out there that probably hate me for these, you know, I don't think that's been working. <laughs> um, and yeah. so, and people will say, right? Like the CSF, the cybersecurity framework, um, they, they discuss this as like a landmark framework. And, you know, it's been so successful. But what is the metric for that for determining that success or for claiming right. that success? We've been reached. Is there a mo- metric? Is there a metric exactly? Right. You right. know, I put this question to yeah. um, um, guy, I'm going to forget his name now, um, but he's the head of the um, of NIS um, uh, information security program, um, and. You know, he was like, yeah, that's a hard question (laughs) and they haven't really figured it out. So, you know, if you're going to make that claim or or you're going to base policy on that claim, I think you should at least make sure that you're on solid footing. And I think a lot of people will say, like, you know, if you're following the cybersecurity framework, you're you're a OK. But again, Rachel, like, what does that mean? And like the CSF, the cybersecurity framework at this point has almost become one of those rhetorical devices. Right. Right, But when you break it down and people in the know will tell you the CSF is not a standard. It's a collection of controls, a framework Mm. of controls that someone, the implementers choose which controls they want to put into their systems. So you could say based on risk, right? It's like, and the risk includes business risk. So you could say, well, it's a risk to my business functions. Like I'm not going to be able to spend enough time doing whatever the business function is. If I spend time putting in such and such controls. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that risk. You know, it's totally up to you. I'm going to right, take that right. risk and I'm not going to put in right. these controls. Or I don't have risk right. here, therefore I'm not right. going to do something. Right, and it's a right. totally subjective exercise. But at mm. the end of the day, somebody, a policymaker can ask you, are you using the NIST framework, the cybersecurity framework? And the person can say, totally. <laughs> but having Not having implemented a single control, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. So that's what I want yeah. the Biden administration to just really okay. look hard at what it yeah. means what what it what's behind these pushes? Like,
2: do you think they will? will?
1: I think. Um, I hope so. Um, I can go to Rachel, Rachel.
2: if you want help. <laughs> <Lifeline>.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. So the, 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 what all the, what all of what they've said so far around the coming executive order sounds good. It's the right things yeah. that I think they're saying, and in, in my opinion. Um, and, um, someone from the administration, um, came on, Jeff Green, he's at, he used to be at NIST, um, and now he's, um, in, in the, uh, National Security Council working with Ann Neuberger and company. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was talking about the development of these standards, um, how they're going to choose the standards that they're going to be asking the software industry to adhere to. Um, and it was sort of the same thing that we've heard before. Like we want NIST to be, you know, in control and we want industry right. to be at the table. And I think that's fine too, but I do think that they need to stay strong in terms of saying, you know, this is mandatory, not voluntary, <laughs> you know, cause like, Right. What right. good is an order that isn't ordering someone to do something, you know? Yeah, it's like, like an, unfunded an
2: unfunded mandate in the government. You, <laughs> right, you, right. You're, you're supposed to do it, it, but you don't, don't have any money. money. People you just don't, don't do it because they can't. Right. Okay, okay so, so let me, let me let flip, it flip it on off. you then. What about for yeah, vendors? One, one thing, thing you would tell the industry, what would you well, tell industry if you had one thing you could tell them to do?
1: Um... I would to take a long term approach to, you know, what you're doing. Um, I mean, you know, the argument that industry itself often makes is we don't need the government to give us any mandates because right. it's our interest. It's in our interest to abide by rules so that we don't get hacked and we don't lose credibility. However, <laughs> you know, we have seen companies that get hacked, target, you name the company and they rebound from this in the market days after. So there are studies on this. I can't remember the exact studies now, but there are studies on this and those companies are still thriving. And like Equifax chart, you go down the list who's actually paying the price. So when you talk about loss of reputation, you know, I don't think that's, that's a a credible point, but in terms of their long-term sustainability, (laughs) I think I would tell them and this is kind of an optimistic um, approach, but I would tell them, look, I think people are paying more attention and you should get out in front, get out ahead and show the example and, you know, support some of these measures that the government is considering in a full throated sort of way. It'll, you know, that'll, that's what's going to give you a good reputation. It's expensive.
2: Where does the money come from? I mean, yeah, I'm involved yeah. in some of that here
1: yeah. and
2: we're talking millions of dollars to mm-hmm. change things so that you can meet audit requirements or right. you can do something. I mean, yeah, our, our business, business is on GovCloud. Go. It, it just costs more right. to run on GovCloud oh. than it does standard AWS. We're doing, we're doing it, right. but we've got to raise prices to support that, right? I mean, it's just got to, that's the way it works. So there's a balance there. I, I'm not yeah. arguing with you at all. I'm in agreement. But there's a balance. It's it's a tough one. Yeah, these are some tough problems.
0: It costs money, well, doesn't? But like, yeah, don't they have yeah. a list though? A hard problems list? I think that they update. Should we do that? We should every, do a hard
2: problems podcast yeah. list.
0: I, I think so. Right. I right.
1: I think well, we would uh, take
2: take an hour to read off the problems list <laughs> one
1: day if we put it together. So I think at this point, I don't. I'm not going to wait for your, your question about blaming the victim. Because I think I think that this is a good opportunity to talk about that. Um, I love this segue. This is amazing because if you're and this is this is going to sound harsh, right? But in terms of it costing money, you asked mm-hmm. about the journalist's responsibility to look at this or to approach coverage in a lens that's not blaming the victim. Mm-hmm. My right. question is, we've got layers of victim, victims here. So right. when you... When and you, repeat victims. And repeat right. victims. So right. when you talk about victims, are you talking about solar winds? Or, or are you talking about their government customers? Or are you talking about the government employees and all of the private sector employees that were compromised? Or the people that their customers that then lost their PII um, that might now be on the dark mark, the, the black, the dark web. So what is your obligation to the victims right. at the very bottom of the line, you know, and right. to bring it back to your, what we were talking about earlier with this stuff costing money? Do you have an obligation to stay out of the game if you can't afford to play? So. In other words, if you can't afford to implement those security controls, should you be in business? Well, I think that gets to our private. We've had conversations, too, about, you know, like grades,
0: Right. You know, kind of like uh, games come with a certain rating. Uh-huh, right. Yeah. So is does that become a factor here? Like what you're saying? I mean, it's you get an A if you're investing and you're you know, you're doing all the things and you got a B or, you know, like uh, you have a C, for example, when Chick-fil-A came to New York. They didn't pass the restaurant standards, but the line for them was around the block because people were willing to roll the dice. They were willing to take that Chick-fil-A, risk. <laughs> you know, right.
1: <laughs> um, exactly. Sure, Rachel. And that's, um, <laughs> you know, that's exactly the way that Anne Neuberger described, her, you know, her, her push for this executive order. She used that exact right. um, rating, restaurant rating analogy. So yeah, I think I, that's where the government's headed. Up. What's that?
2: I, I don't know that it stands up. I, I think price is a, uh, you know, when when you look at the commercial world, the consumer will typically do what's in their best interest. And I don't know that they fully understand what's in their best. Like if they got a, a TV for an extra for $400 instead of paying 800, but it had a microphone and it came from, you know, physio or wherever, mm-hmm. pick your company, right? and we didn't have assurances that that wasn't remotely operable and people could listen in. Does the average consumer care?
1: Right. And this I is one, so. I didn't I think mean, I they was... won't even
2: dig the microphone out of the TV or, right. or tape over it. I don't think they care.
1: I didn't think I was they want to ch- save money. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to say I agree with you, Eric. But based on the conversation, oh, I think we're so violently far. in agreement on
2: a bunch of things.
1: But, um, well, in this case, certainly, and it's because, like what Rachel said, right? Like the Chick Fil A people, they were still eating that Chick Fil A.
2: They want their chicken, they right? Want their That's sweet, it's delicious. chicken. It's delicious. And with waffle yeah. fries. Um, But is that a sanitation concern, Rachel? Um, I think it was in the, re- when the
0: restaurant first opened. Yeah. It's in it, it, There was some, so, so really some what the they were saying was concerns.
2: they wanted their dirty chicken.
0: Yeah. They were perfectly well, fine. Well, you know, New Yorkers, we love our street meat. So, you know, what's the I difference? I do love a good right?
2: subrats on the, on the cart. I used to go That's through the right. city when I lived up there. Trying to find the best deal. I could get dollar Delicious. hot dogs all day long and of I'm sure those
1: rats were all up in there. That's that. right. Dirty <laughs> so dogs Maryam, we're, all day long. We're, we're looking
2: yes. at dirty chicken and we're okay with it. So I yeah. I, I think but here's we have the difference. Here.
1: Here's the difference, right? When the customer you're talking about is the government. And again, to give credence to the whole idea of risk calculation, okay, the my purchase of a TV in my living room, probably not as consequential as water sy- safety systems. So, right. you know, that's where you have to say and, 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 and acknowledge that's a good point. that it would be helpful for the people who are running the water safety system to look at those ratings, right? And if you can't afford to have security, you know, processes that meet them, then yeah, you, you're not going to get that business. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. No, that's that's a good point. Although I I will tell you, we're hearing in in the form of CMMC, there is concern oh. where it will drive some vendors out of the business that are critical suppliers to the government.
0: Interesting,
2: right? Because it's just not lucrative anymore. It's just not as as a buddy of mine would say, the the juice is not worth the squeeze.
0: But so, should security be lucrative? Since it's kind of essential to our our lives, well, I'm, not, I'm not saying lucrative.
2: Um, <laughs> I, what I'm saying is the, the enhanced cost of security makes it a non-interesting or non-profitable business line. I, I was at a company once where we were looking at putting some capability into a commercial device. Think of like a dishwasher or, or, or a refrigerator or something like that. And there wasn't even a dollar worth of of latitude in the pricing scheme to stay competitive with competitors. Mm-hmm. and and the vendor at the time decided not to proceed forward due to cost mm-hmm. even though they could embed some capability that would theoretically make their ip connected devices um, much more secure right there was just there was so much of a, a slim margin there
1: okay here's that my question it just question. wasn't
2: worthwhile for them
1: here's my question uh, this is where the antitrust stuff kind of pops up and and i find it really interesting because are there multiple vendors who are supplying uh, that particular service or product for the government. Yeah, I mean, that was a
2: consumer product which had a lot of competitors.
1: Well, maybe some of them should fall off if they can't afford to meet the security requirements. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I think think the the vendor's vendor's
2: perspective perspective was the consumer doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Therefore, this isn't something we're going to spend money on and focus on because it makes us less competitive. Like announcing that you've got a secure, we'll just, let's just say it was a dishwasher. It wasn't, but it was close. We've got a secure IP connected dishwasher. If it raises the prices by 3% or, I mean, it was less than that, but in a competitive market, does the consumer decide that they want the more secure dishwasher for more or do they want the less secure dishwasher for a few dollars off? The the business we were working with at the time said, we're going to go with the cheaper dishwasher.
1: Well, oh. in the case of CMMC, specifically, the customer is the DOD. So, correct. you know, are, are they going to say we want the cheaper one? The policy yes. that they're espousing right now is that they're moving away from lowest cost, technically acceptable into this new era of having security be a pillar or whatever you want to call it.
2: Correct. So my, my answer to you, Mariam, would, would be yes, historically. LPTA low price technically acceptable in my opinion was was entirely overused and used in the wrong ways, um, and it, it, it was a race to the bottom on cost. But with that, you also lost a lot of things. Um, I will tell you, I've been in, I, for for over a decade now. I've been in discussions with different government entities about secure supply chain, about made in America, and you can talk to the consumers about you know, the, the mission owners in, 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 many cases and DOD, the intelligence civilian agencies doesn't matter. You can talk to them about, Hey, we're making this in California. The problem is when you go to the contract, go to contract, right? There's a component around price, right? We're weighing this contract, 50% price, 50% on technical uh, acceptance, technical, you know, technical merits, whatever it may be. Um, my experience the price piece, you get killed. And even if you're the best, in most cases, you lose out. Even if the business wants it, they often don't have have power over the contract shop. And the contract shop is legally obligated to meet, to to award to somebody that's cheaper and technically acceptable. Mm -hmm. So unless it says it must be made in America, which I have seen zero IT contracts say that to date, it doesn't pay off. And, and I've never been able to make the business case work out. And it's a lot more expensive to do things in America with U.S. citizens. I happen to work in a business where it's, a, it's, it's U.S. citizens 100%. We do have a foreign element, but they're, they're actually segmented off. And it's very small compared to our government business. It's a tire business segmented off and, and our costs are higher as a result. It's the right thing to do with the business we're in. We have to do it. But in most cases, especially around product, it doesn't work well. Well, that's just my experience.
1: Yeah, and I, so I guess it's just one of those things that like it remains to be seen, like with the implementation of CMMC, um, and I think it's actually in policy. Like I saw something in the Federal Register somewhere that that officially said we are moving away from LPTA. So I've seen. I've yeah. Seen so you reports know, around it's that. Just a matter also, which, like, which is good. Implementing that policy now, and like whether the individual program managers and contracting officials. And and I don't want to go too
2: deeply into this, but but you're right. There's a a ton around that. It's not just moving away from LPTA. A lot of contracts have a price component. Really, every contract has a price Mm -hmm. component of some sort, but it's always weighed. So if if, if I gave you a response of $1.3 million and a foreign competitor that wasn't on some kind of do not sell list or didn't have FOIA issues gave you a 1.1 1. 1, and we were both ranked technically acceptable in most contracts, the government's obligated to award to them. If, if they're right. a legitimate business. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, do, do they value, they value the fact that this was done by Americans in America? Not, not that I've seen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is, 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 is that, is that, is that better?
2: better? Uh, you could argue that too, in some cases, right? <laughs> I mean, there, are people who make, make good products, products all over the world.
1: Yeah. Right? I think that, that is also going to be um, a contentious issue because ITI, again, you know, a lot of companies of those companies have developers in China, in these places where there's right. scrutiny and, you know, but we live in a global society. Like, well, that, right. and that's <laughs> the reality.
2: That, right. That's the discussion. Actually, I know we have to wrap here, Rachel, but that's the discussion I have with these you know, hardcore supply chain um, owners in the government. It's it, it's it's not 1960 anymore. Right. America is one of many companies, mm. countries, excuse me, in the world that create products. Right. There are more products created outside of America than in America. And, and, and from an IT perspective, good luck getting IT components. Well, we'll buy Dell servers. Okay, but most of the components are coming from Taiwan or Mexico or elsewhere. Like you don't even have an option today because it is a global society. So we almost have to buy into that and assume, like assume the breach, assume products aren't made in America
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Like the supply chain just doesn't work that way. And then once you do that, again, I agree with Eric. Oh my God. Um, See? (laughs) But once you, once you assume they're not made in America, then you turn to more nuanced technical considerations like development processes. Like DevSecOps, like, do you have security people on your development team? Inspection, Mm -hmm. live-in auditors. (laughs) Um, Before we wrap- Rachel, we we should stop stop right right
2: here. here. We're in violent agreement.
1: (laughs) I want to say, if you can, I don't know what your guys' editing process is. Um, There is none. Oh, okay. Well, I- I love the
2: fact that we were interviewed on this show.
0: I know. This has been so much fun. It has been Fantastic. Thank you what so a much great, What insights. a great way to end the week. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. Now I, I'm ready for the weekend.
2: <laughs> Mariam, thank you so much yes.
0: for your time. Yes. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, for Mario. having me. It's wonderful. Bye. Yes, and thanks, everybody, for joining us again for To The Point. And smash that subscription button so you can get us every week in your inbox. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.